Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we have been studying the attributes of God these last um, several weeks, and we are going through the Shorter Catechism question, question number four, which is, what is God? And the answer is, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And let me just plug the catechism real quick right here. If you don't have a a systematic understanding or a systematic approach to the Bible, then let me just suggest, and I think our brothers around the table would agree, Google Shorter Catechism or Google Heidelberg Catechism or Google New City Catechism. And what the catechisms do, it's it's not a Roman Catholic thing. It's actually a, a word that you find in the New Testament. Um, and it means teaching or instruction or doctrine. And it's basically um, a doctrine of what the whole Bible says about the most important things. And so it gives us a picture of creation, fall, redemption, glory. And then it gives us a picture of, of how to pray in the Lord's Prayer and what our duties of worship are. I think that's a fair summary? That's fair. And, and also, it's done in a question and answer format. So it's asking questions of you or for you and providing you an, the answer to that question. And as you uh, screw those things down into your being, uh, you, know, you, have, uh, you have responses to some of the most important questions in life. That's right. Yeah. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's right. That's right. All right. So we have looked at the doctrine of God's unchangeability. And so today we want to tackle the duty and delight of it. Mm -hmm. So we'll start there with the duty. Um, How does God's unchangeability obligate us? What duty do we have in light of it? Well, we remember that um, his unchangeability or his immutability means that God doesn't change. Uh, he's, he says that over and over through Scripture, and, uh, and so that's our foundation, the Word of God. But uh, when the uh, divines were creating that shorter catechism, they also had already worked for uh, five-plus years on the Westminster Confession of Faith, and in, that, um, in the section dealing with God, which brings out his immutable uh, nature, his immutable righteousness and justice— we're told there, um, based on Exodus chapter 34, that God forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, and is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And he's the most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sins, and he will by no means clear the guilty. And so there's the problem with the, the duty that we have is we have to recognize this immutability of God. And people hate this aspect of God. I think it was uh, uh, R.C. Sproul that uh, brought out this as he's uh, referencing Jonathan 
Edwards in a sermon called Man Naturally God's An- Enemy. And he says, what is it about God's character that provokes a, a certain enmity or a hatred in human beings? Why is, God, why is God hated and found so repugnant? And he says, and he's dealing with immutability here. He says, because he's holy, we hate holiness because we're not holy. And we would have killed Jesus too because we want to get rid of that standard of holiness. Because he's sovereign, if he was holy and that was all he was, he could be ignored. But he's the boss, the ultimate sovereign judge with the authority to demand, to demand holiness of us. And because he's omnipotent, if he was powerless to enforce his sovereign degree of righteousness, that would be one thing, but we can't beat him. He's omniscient. To make matters worse, I can't hide anything from him. And he's immutable. He's unchanging. And that's most odious of all to us because there's no hope of change, no hope that he'll ever cease to be holy, no hope that he'll ever cease to be sovereign or omnipotent or omniscient. Nothing will change. I can corrupt you, but I can never corrupt God. I could vote out your rule, but not God's. He will not grow old or weak, and there will never be a dimin demonization of his power. He won't lose his memory or have a lapse. The only hope for change is a change in me. Mm-hmm. And my duty is the change in me um, because God is not going to negotiate with sin. And I think one of the duties is that it should inform our prayer life. I don't come to God to change his mind. Right. I come to submit to his will. That doesn't mean that I'm not earnest in prayer. It doesn't mean that I'm not sincere. It doesn't mean that I don't plead with God. Mm-hmm. But God is not a God to be manipulated. Mm-hmm. God is unchangeable. Yeah. And so what I'm saying to God when I come, and so right now I have a, a three-year-old nephew of mine in the hospital because his kidneys have stopped working, and he's on continuous dial, um, dialysis. Um, well, I'm coming to God as a loving Heavenly Father saying, I want this, this little boy to be healed. I want his kidneys mm-hmm. to start working. Mm-hmm. But I submit to your will. Yeah. And no amount of tears, no amount of, of, of begging or pleading or whatever is going to change God's heart and, and his decree. Mm. But some of that pouring out of my concerns before God allows me to rest in God's goodness. It allows me to, to rest in his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. It allows me to rest in the fact that I can only see a little ways. I can't see the beginning from the end. Yeah. And so I need to trust. Mm-hmm. And I think God's unchangeable aspect kind of forces my hand in my prayers mm-hmm. to say, I trust what you have decreed. Yeah. Um, I'm laying my concerns there, but I'm submitting them. And God's unchangeability um, never means that he doesn't use means to accomplish right. his ends. I That's mean, right. Romans 9, which is the chapter on election, is immediately followed by chapter 10, which is in some cases the chapter on evangelism. That's right. And the same thing with prayer. You know, his unchangeability, praying for your, your nephew. It shouldn't discourage you from praying. It should encourage you because these are the means that God has set aside to accomplish his eternal yeah. unchangeable decree. Yeah, that's part of his decree that you would pray for your nephew mm-hmm. if he should be healed. Yeah. 
I got to say, the, one of the answers that I would give uh, regarding God's unchangeability and, and our duty in light of it is that it should affect our theology. Mm-hmm. Now, now, no doubt, we have listeners here who, who, who don't hold to Reformed theology, and we're glad you're listening. But let's just, you know, one of the, the explanations that a non-Reformed theology teaches is that the way that God elects is that he looks down through the corridors of time, and he sees those who are choosing him, and on that basis, he then elects them. Well, God's unchangeability should completely remove that category from your mind. If, if God is electing based on what he's seeing, then he's responding. His knowledge is changing. His decree is changing. That is, a, a, that is an impossibility. You can't hold that God is unchangeable and hold that God elects on that basis at the same time. We have a duty to have our theology formed by the attributes of God. Right. And, and the same thing would be, uh, it would be the same with regard to Scripture, you know, God doesn't just, uh, you know, decree something to be sinful and then all of a sudden say, you know, you you uh, humans were right and I was wrong, and I'm going to let you do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move to uh, the delight of God's unchangeability. We've looked at doctrine, duty. So what is our delight? How is God's unchangeability a fuel for worship? What I constantly say to my, my, my own congregation is that my hope is in the fact that I serve a God that is unchangeable and that he is faithful, that he is compassionate, and that he is a God that not only makes covenant but keeps covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, if it depended upon me and my ability to, to, to maintain um, what I ought to be and what I ought to do, then I'm forever lost. Mm-hmm. My hope lies in the fact that God is an unchangeable covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, and that my salvation rests upon his ability to mm. maintain that which is necessary for my salvation. And so I, I don't have to worry that somehow I'm going to lose my salvation mm-hmm. um, because it was decreed by God, yeah. mm-hmm. and that cannot change. Yeah. yeah, the Bible speaks of the exceedingly great and precious promises of God. And if, if we really found that one of these promises could be suspect, that um, you know, we we could we wonder about all the rest of them. If we thought that God would alter some word of His promise to us, then we just say goodbye to the rest of of God's word. But when I turn to the Bible and I find that uh, the gospel isn't just wishy washy, yes and no, it's promising something uh, today that He's going to fulfill tomorrow. And I realize that uh, this good news is yes and amen. So. This immutability is also a promise. It's a covenant promise that he's made to us. It's the certainty that when we lay down to sleep at night, uh, uh, that he's going to love us in the morning, as, just as he loves us through the night. It's how we know that nothing is going to take us from his hand. It's the reason we not only believe his promises, but also believe he's the promise. You know, we're told in the, the Bible, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Yeah. And, and so those promises endure because of the immutability of God. Yeah. And you know what? What's so, you, you quoted half of the verse earlier, and I'm thankful that you quoted half the verse, Malachi 3, 6. Mm-hmm. So God is telling uh, the people of Israel, um, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob 
are not consumed. Mm-hmm. And, and the meaning is that the the very the reason why the people of God are not consumed is because because God doesn't change. If it were left up to us, and if God was a changing being, mm-hmm. then we would be consumed because we give Him reasons all the time. Mm-hmm. To abandon us, to forsake us. I mean, even even the most holy saints, the ones mm-hmm. who love God. You see Paul in Romans chapter seven saying, "The things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do." He is a man who still mm-hmm. sins. Mm-hmm. And yeah, his... we'll deny God, but he won't deny himself. He's already made that promise. That's right. Um, you know, and we have to realize what kind of promises we're receiving from God. There's no promise that we're going to be always healthy or rich or successful. But there are promises that God works together, all things together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And God is going to make all grace abound to us, and his grace will be sufficient. We're told that nothing is going to separate us from the love of God, that he's going to supply all of our needs richly in Christ Jesus. And those are the promises that don't change throughout our life as we trust in him. The, The old hymn, Abide With Me, says... Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changes not, mm. abide with me. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the the one of those foundational truths. Yeah, that the God who doesn't change is the one that abides with me. Yeah, yeah. and and you. And, Change all around me. I mean, everything changes. You know, um, we see that. We see that in our all of our life. Change is going to come whether we like it or not. Yeah, um, we're changing all the time, whether we plan for it or not. Um, so our security and our and and the anchor for us is not in the changelessness of our life. Our our security and anchor and happiness is in God's unchangeability. He's not transient. He's, he's, he will not be one way today and another way tomorrow. He doesn't have moods or bad days. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have whims. Or there's nothing new and improved. Um, he's changeless. And, and this is the thing that brings great joy and yeah. comfort to our life. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. You can check us out at ReformationBoise.com. You can listen to some past broadcasts there. You can email us at info at ReformationBoise.com if you have any questions or ideas for future broadcasts, or you can register for upcoming conference. They're right there on the website. We'll see you next time.